Hello, I'm really glad you've joined us here online. Business leaders value workers who get stuff done. And it is important to get stuff in business and in every arena of life. But how people get things done is more important. And that's a matter of wisdom that gives you an edge. The strategies we use to make things happen in families and organizations have an impact for good or for ill. Looney Tunes have the Tasmanian devil who always travels with a tornado and leaves a path of destruction behind him. According to scripture, foolish strategies are like that. They create a path of destruction behind them. And we're going to see the impact of both foolish strategies and wise strategies in this message. Wise strategies approach relationships, work, projects around the house, and everything in a way that doesn't cause damage. They don't leave the path of destruction behind them. And in this message, as I said, we're going to contrast the results of wise and foolish strategies. Jesus himself showed us how to evaluate strategies. Luke 7.35 says, But wisdom is proved right by her children. He's saying that you recognize a strategy, a wise strategy, by the good results it produces. But foolish strategies have a negative impact, and we're going to see that in this message. Jesus' half-brother James wrote a book in the New Testament. He became a follower of, of Christ, which really is a testimony to uh, Jesus being God, because if your brother or sister claimed to be God, would you would you follow them? Would you go with it? He must have been. So anyway, James wrote a book in the New Testament, and one of the things he says helps us realize a foolish strategy leaves a wake of turmoil in its path. Henry Cloud, a business consultant and Christian counselor, says this, after a person travels for a few years with a family or an organization or with a partnership or any other kind of working so association, they leave a wake behind them, like the Tasmanian devil's tornado. Cloud says that the wake shows up in two areas, task and relationship. What did they accomplish and how did they deal with people as they accomplished it? Cloud says you can tell a lot about a person by and their strategies by the nature of their wake. He goes on to say relational shortcomings get in the way of the very task being accomplished. When you look at the real world, there are dimensions of a person's makeup, he says, that deeply affect the results. And God wants us to grow away from the strategies that stir up destruction and move toward wisdom. He, he wants to help with this. So James starts with the characteristics of a foolish strategy in the passage we're looking at. And in James 3, 14 through 16, he says, 
But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. James reveals the motives, characteristics, and the results of foolish strategies here. And I'm going to look at each of these uh, one at a time. And let's start where he does with the motives behind foolish strategy. Motives start in the heart, which is where wisdom starts as well. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. The reason we're supposed to guard our heart is that the springs of life flow from it. So we protect what goes into it. We protect what we're thinking as we deal with life. And we do this because our motives come from our hearts. And the motives we choose are one dimension of a person's makeup, like Cloud was talking about, that affect the results. Whether a tornado follows behind us or a gentle breeze that refreshes. Thad talked about the heart last week. And there are both good and bad desires in our hearts. And James mentions two powerful desires that can become motivators, motives that drive foolish strategies. The first is bitter jealousy. The word in the Greek that this was originally written in means a self-oriented desire to possess things that are not really ours. Jealousy is a tornado that racks up terrible costs. My nephew lives in Moore, Oklahoma, and uh, I've seen Moore, Oklahoma, devastated on the news by a twister. And so he has a storm shelter, something we don't need here as much. He has a storm shelter in the ground that he goes into with his family when the tornado is the twister is happening. And uh, so I, I've had to check on him a couple times when I saw the news. In the same way, relational tornadoes stirred up by bitter jealousy also wreak havoc. They have a cost. They lay things out. They bring things to the ground. It drives deep bitterness and sorrow into families. It's the motive behind competition, ungodly competition for achievement. And it drives conflict in the church. It, it, there is a price from bitter jealousy. None of this is good. But fools allow this motive to overtake them and drive them. A second powerful motive is selfish ambition. Bitter jealousy is paired here with selfish ambition. And selfish ambition is basically deciding to have your way at the expense of others. If you're into selfish ambition, you have a goal, 
and you're willing to hurt others to achieve your goal. You're willing to just run over them and devastate them in order to reach your goal. If we're into bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, we shouldn't boast about it, the passage says. But but people do boast about these things. I've heard people brag about how they're going to beat down the competition. And this shows up in professional sports all the time. Boasting is often in the mind of family members who are jealous or co-workers who aim to exact revenge due to jealousy. And this generates the tornado that destroys Christ followers are commanded to live in the truth, however. We're not to be false to the truth. So the person uh, with these motives is commanded not to be false to the truth. If a motive is lurking in the dark, nothing can be done about it. But when it comes out into the open, it is confessed to God and can be dealt with rightly. Jesus moves on to the characteristics of foolish strategy. Verse 15 starts out by saying, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. The first week of the series, I talked about the fact that wisdom comes from the source. It comes from God to us. It's a gift from him that he gives to those who trust him and ask for it and seek it out as they live their lives. But the folly of bitter bitter jealousy and selfish ambition is earthly. What is meant here is that the world leaves God out of the picture of the choices made. That's foolish because he's the number one factor in every situation that we face. We need to appeal to him. We need to think about what he thinks about that situation. And cooperating with God is the best way to live by far. There's no comparison. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition are characteristic of what the world at large cooks up. And they drive the strategies of those who aren't God's people. Next, James says, it's unspiritual. These characteristics are arranged in order of power from weaker to stronger and unspiritual is ramped up from earthly. The word in the original Greek means the fool relies on emotions and human reason alone. That's what it means to be unspiritual. That's stupid because we have the word of God and we have the spirit of God who wants to guide us and help us grow through things but many people today are relying on emotions and reason to navigate what is going on in our country what's going on in their lives and that leaves you exposed and vulnerable bitter jealousy and selfish ambition are just flat-out demonic, it says here. They are not from heaven, but straight from hell. They are demonic in nature. Here are the results of foolish strategy. The fruit of folly's womb is disorder and every evil practice. Jesus said, you recognize wisdom by her children. 
And it's the same with foolishness, with folly. You recognize it by the results that are produced. First, disorder is the result. The Greek word here implies confusion, instability, and disorder like a crowd starting to panic. That's, that's what it produces. This is the result of foolish ideas that drive behavior in families, in churches, in organizations. This is what, what comes out of it. That's what, the fruit of it. This, this makes me think of the mob riots of the summer of 2020. The fruit of Folly's womb was in full display. And the second result of foolish strategy is every evil practice. Flawed, disgusting, harmful things are done. People are not only hurt, but they're disillusioned and have difficulty trusting others because of the foul things that are said and done. This is like the tornado that follows the Tasmanian devil in Looney Tunes and Looney should be a clue to how crazy it is to relate this way. In contrast, James gives the profile of a heavenly strategy. James 3, 17 through 18 says, But the wisdom from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Before I describe the wisdom from above, I want to make a point about the church. The church is designed to be an incubator for learning a different way of life. In the book of Philippians, you find out that a believer's citizenship is in heaven, and the church is designed to be a colony of heaven where we learn God's ways, like we'll have them, like we'll follow them in heaven. And the church is meant to be a place where we grow different reflexes from bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And we learn this as we handle the flow of life and Several uh, passages in the New Testament talk about how wisdom from the Word of God is to be at the heart of our worship, our community groups, and other meetings in the church. This is the heart of it, and that's what we center our lives around, the wisdom of God in the Word of God. So in the church, what we have are examples And we set the example and encourage one another in the characteristics of wise strategies, which are, first of all, pure. The word in the Greek implies pure from fault, all good, not half bad, but all good. In respect to strategies, it means that there is no mixture of self-interest as you relate to others. No strings attached, no unwritten contracts when you help others, no manipulation whatsoever. That is pure. Another characteristic is peaceable or 
Another translation is peace-loving. Um, fools are quick to quarrel, but a wise strategy maintains peace, if at all possible. Gentle or considerate is another characteristic. This word is difficult to translate into English uh, from the Greek, but it means seemly, fitting, appropriate. And the idea is that you do what is considerate or fitting versus what is rude, harsh, or shocking. The next characteristic is open to reason or submissive is another way to say that. Um, this Greek word means to be easily persuaded. The wise think about things, and they don't automatically go with the flow and follow, but when they have a concern, they go directly to those who can handle, who can help with the concern. They go to those over them, and they go straight to the person and ask them about it, talk it over, and work it out. They are easily persuaded and not difficult to lead. In contrast, the ungodly get defensive and and try to cover, cover up their motives and schemes. Many people have a strategy that's rebellious and demanding to protect their interests. That's not wise. Wise strategy is also full of mercy and good fruits. Early in his book, um, James defined mercy as love for our neighbors that shows itself in action. And he pairs it here with good fruits. So mercy has the result of goodness and good relationships and good fruit from the mercy that it's growing out of. To be full of mercy is doing good to those around you in a way that generates warmth. It is really difficult to be in a family that expects, that, that coldly expects results, performance, or really any group. It's, it's difficult to be a part of any group that coldly expects results. We need grace to do well in life because nobody is perfect. So we need mercy. We need mercy when we blow it. We don't need to get what we deserve, but we need, and you know, maybe, maybe we need to be held accountable for sure. But, but we need grace in the midst of being held accountable. Next, a wise strategy is impartial. God does not play favorites. And a wise strategy is one that is not partial to any person in any way, shape, or form. Finally, godly strategy, wise strategy is sincere. It is unpretended. Godly wisdom puts things out on the table. Strategy with these characteristics, the passage says, brings a harvest of righteousness which is another way of saying a treasure trove of blessing from God. He blesses the righteous. There are many promises in Scripture uh, for those who walk uh, along the path of righteousness. In contrast to wise strategy, when I was younger, 
I use strategies that stirred up the wind. They they brought a whirlwind or a tornado. I dated three or four gals uh, consistently. Uh, they were probably you'd call them exclusive uh, before I met Cindy. And when I broke up with them, I didn't treat them right. I I basically ignored them. And this includes my wife Cindy when after she broke up with me, which which really hurt. <laughs> I, I didn't like that, uh, but I basically acted like I did with the other girls I had dated. I acted like Cindy didn't exist. I ignored her, and it was a we were on a small college campus, and it was very hard to ignore uh, the other folks. But the summer after Cindy and I broke up, I went to a conference, and the Spirit of God convicted me of what I'd done. The speaker talked about the need to have a clear conscience, and in that moment, I felt a knife to the heart. God spoke to me, and it wasn't a stab wound. It was a surgeon's knife, which is what God uses when he's trying to convict us of wrong patterns in our life. And so uh, he wanted to get me straightened out. And so I responded to him. I told God that I would go back and ask every one of the young women I had dated, those I could find, uh, and I found three of the four, uh, I would ask them to forgive me. That's how you get a clear conscience. And for me, I, I gained a wife out of the obedience because one of the 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 gals that I went back to was Cindy and the spark ignited when I asked her forgiveness and the rest is history. And I'm really glad for that. That's a great thing. So God's ways are the path to freedom. His strategies are pleasing to him and a blessing to us. They are wise and they help us make the right kind of progress as we work through conflict, work projects, ministry efforts, and any kind of relational difficulty. Think think it over as I wrap up this message. I'm heading toward the wrap up and I want to I want you to a- ask yourself, what kind of wind are you stirring up? As you work through your to-do list for each day, what are those around you experiencing? Is it a whirlwind or a gentle breeze that refreshes? Which is it? Wisdom is the key to a godly strategy, and that will bless others. Take the time right now to think about the strategies you have in life. Try to identify foolish strategies in your life that are, are hurting you and others and make a shift to wise strategies. Repent. Ask God's forgiveness and ask for his help to change. We grow in wisdom one step of obedience at a time. So I'd like to ask, <clears throat> ask you to think through. What is your next step today?
based on what God has said to you through this message. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much. I thank you for your grace, your mercy, and how gracious you are as we set our hearts to learn your wisdom. God, build it into us. You've worked it into the fabric of life. And life works best if we follow your ways. And so I pray, O oh God, that you would help us to take these steps that you've laid on our heart today and bring honor and glory to your holy name. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.